Thank you so much, uh, Deacon Susan, and uh, willing for leading us in worship as well. A very good morning, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Indeed, it's my privilege and joy to stand before you to, um, yeah, to deliver to this message based on Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 32. Um, but before I go further, do allow me to pray for all of us. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. We just want to thank you, Lord, for being a God who revealed yourself to us through your Son, through your words, through your Spirit. And Father, even as we come before you this morning, I just pray for your help. May you help me because I'm a man of unclean lips. May you anoint my lips so that I may be able to proclaim your words faithfully. And I pray, Lord, that even as your words go forth, that your words will teach, rebuke, correct and train us in righteousness so that your servants may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We pray all this for your glory, for we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, my, my wife gave me a nickname. She calls me the Balloon Man. Uh, you know why? Because uh, she thinks that I have the ability to uh, inflate and deflate at will. So, you know, uh, over the past 10 years or so, I've, uh, uh, at times I've gained a lot of weight and I've also lost a lot of weight over time. So, like the COVID period, I lost like uh, maybe about 8 kg yeah, over that 2 to 3 years. Um, but, of course, my weight loss is nothing compared to this China uh, actress by the name of Jia Ling. So, Jia Ling, she, she lost a total of 50 kg over a period of six months. She slimmed down from 100 kg to 50 kg to play a boxer for, the, for her new movie, uh, Re Lang Gun Tang, or in English, it's just YOLO, okay, YOLO, okay. Uh, which she directed and played the lead. So here we can see that, uh, yeah, I, I hope I get this. Okay, not sure why the slide is not moving ah yes you see so yeah so there's a drastic change in her uh, that many people were either inspired or terrified because it prompted question about whether her drastic weight loss was healthy or not 50 kg over a period of six months uh, but that's just outward change and appearance isn't it and in today's sermon we will meet a couple of people who also changed drastically, but changed from the inward by our, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so, okay, it's not cooperative, but anyway, thanks. Sorry, you cannot go for coffee. I, I promise you that if I click, you can go for coffee, but sorry, you, you need to stay to click. First, there was a Simon, a fisherman, uh, not a very competent one in my opinion, uh, because he, he went fishing all night with his buddies, James and John, at the lake of Gennesareth, or more commonly known as the Sea of Galilee, but he caught nothing. I can imagine after a bad day in the office, Simon would have felt frustrated and exhausted. So he called it a day, beached his fishing boat, and started washing up the nets. And nearby was the Lord Jesus Christ. And due to his popularity, his teaching ministry draws in a huge crowd and many were pressing in on him. And so Jesus hopped onto Simon's boat 
and asked him to relaunch his fishing boat a little out into the sea and to teach from the boat. Now, why would Jesus want to teach from the sea? Why? Because he wanted to give the crowd an overseas education. <laughs> but after he was done with his teaching, uh, Jesus wanted to go fishing. So he asked Simon to sail his boat out into the deep and to let down his nets for a catch. And if I'm Simon, I won't be very enthusiastic about it. I mean, I just yukang, right? I just call it a day. It's like you just shut down your laptop, finish packing up your bags, about to go home, and then your boss walk in and tell you, hey, Jason, you need to put up one last urgent proposal. And it's also a pretty bad idea. For no Galilean fisherman worth his sword would fish in broad daylight, where their nets can be seen by the fishers. Yet Jesus, the Jewish carpenter, wanted to go fishing in the day. Although Simon doesn't see the point of Jesus' command, yet he obeyed. Master, at your word, I will let down the nets. And what happened next is going to change Simon's life forever. For out of the blue, they, they caught a huge bounty of fishes. You know, if, if you ever go fishing, right, you'll be happy to catch a few fishes or maybe a basket full of, of uh, fishes. But here they caught so many that their nets were breaking. And they all chipped in to pull up the catch. And it filled their boats and they began to sing. And according to historical records, uh, each Galilean fishing boat, boat measures about 8 metres in length by 2 metres in width. It's, it's about probably the, length, the, the, the size of this entire uh, stage up here. That's how much uh, fishes they caught. And this encounter with Jesus changed Simon in at least three ways. First, we see that bring, being in the presence of the divine Simon became keenly aware of his own sinfulness. When he saw the miracle, he fell at the knees of Jesus and cried out, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Let me just illustrate this by giving you an example. You know, um, during my honeymoon, you know, I, I felt I was the most important man in the whole world. I mean, after all, uh, I married a bride. No, not the best man, so I'm better than the best man, right? So, so I felt very important about myself. And so I visited, uh, on my honeymoon, uh, me and my wife, uh, we visited the Grand Canyon. It was the first time I stood at the canyon. And I stood in awe of its grandeur. And I suddenly realised that I was so small and insignificant in light of the grandeur of the Grand Canyon. And sometimes I always think that I was very I always think that I'm tall, I'm not too short, right? Until I, I stand next to Pastor Yachao. Then I realize that I've fallen short of his high standards. And here we see that Simon, in the presence of Jesus, he realized that he's a sinner, that he's in the presence of the divine. And he no longer calls Jesus master, but Lord. As Jesus' identity becomes clearer to Simon. 
Simon's identity began to be transformed by Jesus too. And Luke, the gospel writer, notes this subtle change for us in verse 8, where he now refers to Simon as Simon Peter. Yet, despite of Simon's sinfulness, he is loved and valued by Jesus. And Jesus assures him by telling him, do not be afraid, Simon, and affirms him by inviting him to come along. From now on, you will go fishing with me. You will be catching men. Jesus offers Simon something greater than fishes, to give up catching fishes, to catch something of greater value. And when they got back to shore, they left everything and followed Jesus. See, they left the biggest catch of their lives to join Jesus in his mission to catch men. And Jesus' mission is now Simon's mission. And so we see that Jesus changed Simon because now he's, he's freed, freed to serve Jesus and graced by Jesus. See, Jesus' invitation to Simon to be fisher of men is freedom. Why? Because it is not based on Simon's worthiness or proficiency as a fisherman. In fact, recognizing our unworthiness and inabilities and humbling ourselves before Jesus is the best prerequisite to serving Him. And serving God is His grace and privilege to us, for us to depend and to trust in Him. When He calls us to serve Him, it is not a sign of your arrival. It is freedom to be part of Jesus' universal salvation plan. Because why? Because Jesus doesn't measure you by your catch, by your work. As he has shown in a miracle that he is the one who will gather in the fishes. So it's freedom to embark on this mission with Jesus. And our role, our role is to cast the net in obedience and leave the catch to Jesus. Which means wherever our Lord Jesus Christ has placed you, at school, in your camp, at work, is exactly where He wants you to cast the net. So I pray that we will do so in obedience to Him. But the key lesson for us is that this passage is not asking all of us to go into full-time ministry. Okay? Yeah, although if, you, if we were to call you to do so, I praise the Lord and pray that you will step up in faith. But this key, key lesson for us is that Jesus changed us when he becomes the most important thing or person in our lives. Not our work, not our academic achievements, not your bank account or your O and A-level results, which has just been released recently. Jesus gives us true freedom from our slavery to the things of this world to find our worth and identity in Him. So dear friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, let me ask you, is Jesus your top, top priority? 
If he is, then you will surely have time to read his words because you desire a relationship with him. You will, you will desire to pray, to attend service, a DG, a basic, and to serve him because he's your top priority. You will honour him in your daily walk and all your decisions because he's leading and you're following. In your marriages, in your job, in your school. But if he's not your priority, then I can guarantee you, you will never lack excuses. And so we see Jesus changed Simon by helping him to be aware of his own sinfulness, yet lovingly affirming and assuring him and freeing him to follow Jesus. The next point we see is that Jesus changed the one who has been ostracized. Now we see that Jesus was in one of the cities and a man full of leprosy, he came to Jesus. And the term leprosy in the Bible covers quite a large array of skin diseases. Uh, we are not quite sure which one this leper has. But we know that lepers were ostracized and isolated. They were made to live outside the city walls. They were economically poor, deprived of human affection and touch, spiritually alienated from God as they were considered ceremonially unclean and not allowed into the temple. And this particular leper must be very desperate. Why? Because he breached protocol to enter into the city to look for Jesus. He knew that Jesus can cleanse him, but wasn't sure if he was willing to do so. I kind of understand how the leper felt. Let me explain. No, on Tuesday, uh, I felt like a python. I was swallowing my food whole as my gum was, swallow, uh, was swollen and affected my ability to eat and sleep. But I had a, a close brother in Christ who has been my dentist for decades. I knew that he could solve my gum problem. Uh, but he works in a public healthcare institution. And you know how busy doctors and dentists and healthcare workers are in the government sector, right? So I couldn't get a, an, a, an earlier slot to see him until next week. But I was desperate to be healed. So I went in search of any available dentist who was willing to see me immediately. But for the leper, he has no other option but Jesus. So he fell on his face and begged Jesus, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And we see that there's hope for this leper because Jesus was not just able but willing to go against the cultural and tradition norms of that time to touch the unclean leper. And he said, it's like, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. The leper's encounter with Jesus changed his relationship with God and others. You see, and to uphold the laws in Leviticus 13 and 14, Jesus asked the leper to go and show yourself to the priest and to make an atonement for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. Both for the priest to verify that he is completely well and proof of God's healing 
and also to restore the leper's worship of God by making an offering of atonement for his cleansing. What key lessons can we draw from this passage here? Well, some of us are struggling with sins. And perhaps because of your past mistakes, your marriage is broken. Perhaps you have failed in your job or your studies. And like the leper, you have been ostracized or cut off from your family and friends. And you shun God too because you think that you're not good enough for God. But there is hope for you because those who turn to Jesus for cleansing receive it from Him because He's willing to give it. It doesn't matter what your sin is. The minute Jesus touches you, you become clean to enter into God's presence. Do you believe that? There are no perfect person, people here, only broken ones restored by Jesus. And so we see the ostracized was cleansed and restored by Jesus. The next point we see that how Jesus changed the paralyzed. So one day when Jesus was teaching in the house, uh, the, the place was crowded, way more crowded than what we have right here. And a bunch of Pharisees and teachers of the law from the surrounding regions were there too. They were there to snoop on Jesus. And God's power to heal was with Jesus. And then it happens. Some men tried to carry a paralyzed man into the house, but they couldn't get in through the doorway as the house was packed to the brim. And these men, they were desperate for the paralytic to be healed by Jesus. And unlike the leper who doubted Jesus' willingness to help him, these men simply assumed that Jesus would. They went up to the roof of the house, removed the house, and lowered the men into the midst before Jesus. You can say they dropped in on Jesus. They came for physical healing, but Jesus offers them something greater, something more. In verse 20, Jesus saw their faith and said, It's like, Man, your sins are forgiven. At this point, I'm not sure if the paralytic and the man who brought him in were pleased with Jesus or not. Jesus didn't seem to understand the purpose of their visit. They came for physical healing, but he offered them forgiveness instead. And then we also see that the scribes and Pharisees, they took offense to what Jesus had just said. You know, they questioned in their hearts, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And you know what? They are theologically right. No one can forgive sins but God alone. And anyone who claims to have the ability put himself on par with God. And that is blasphemy. When, who is this Jesus to claim to have such authority to forgive sins? And so Jesus saw through their hearts and posed them a reader. He asked them, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, rise and walk? 
Well, we see that it is easier to say your sins are forgiven as there's no need to give any concrete evidence for that. Yet, it is the harder one to do because only God can forgive sins. And I put it in this uh, sort of statement or equation uh, yeah, to make it easier for us to understand. Statement A, only God can forgive sins, right? And it's invisible to the eyes. Statement B, only God can make a paralyzed man walk immediately, which is visible to the eye. So if Jesus did B, therefore his claim to A must be true. Jesus performed B as proof that he can do A. And so the purpose of his miracle is so that they may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And here we see that Jesus made a bold claim where he refers to himself as the Son of Man. That Daniel 7, Son of Man, the one who is given dominion, glory and an everlasting kingdom over all nations by God. And with one command, he clears any doubt to his true identity and authority. Where he say, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And verses 25 and 26, slide. Let's read this together. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Jesus changed his life when he forgave him of his sins and make him whole again. See, brothers and sisters in Christ, our real problem is not physical illness and suffering, but alienation from God. And we need our sins to be forgiven. We see perhaps some of us in our midst are sick or maybe have a loved one who is suffering from an illness and you're desperate for Jesus to heal them and you've been praying but Jesus didn't answer your prayer and you're frustrated. And I felt, kind of felt that way too back in September 2022 where I shared previously in my testimony where my son had meningitis and that night when the doctor suspected that his meningitis was autoimmune brain disease, which means he were, my son will degenerate physically and cognitively, where I have to watch him die before my very eyes. And so they ordered a lumbar puncture to draw the cerebral spinal fluid, a CSF fluid, uh, for further investigation. And the most important question I need answers to it's not whether my son has autoimmune brain disease, but whether my then 13-year-old son believed in Jesus. And by God's grace, when I, when I asked him, who is Jesus to you? He affirmed his faith in Jesus. And I asked God to heal my son as well. But and, and heal my son and to make him well. But he offered something greater. He offered the forgiveness of my son's sins. And so that night, before the result came out, I managed to sleep well. And while I waited for the result, I prayed for his healing. Yet I was assured by God in Isaiah 53 verse 5 that what Jesus had already done for my son 
verse 5 reads, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. God has healed my son for all eternity through our Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what illness will come because one day he and all of us will die. But yet Jesus has healed him spiritually. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, don't just pray for the physical healing of your loved ones. Pray for their salvation. Offer them Jesus, the one who has authority to forgive their sins and to make them whole again. And if you are a believer in Christ, perhaps you are struggling with illness. I pray for your healing. I also pray that God will help you see your illness in light of what Christ has already done for you on the cross, securing you for all eternity. And though outwardly we are wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day as a glorified body awaits us one day, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Can I have the slide? Let's read this passage together as an assurance to ourselves. Together. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comprehension. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So we see the paralyzed was changed by Jesus when he was healed, forgiven of his sins, and made whole again. Next, we meet Levi, a tax collector. You know, tax collectors were despised by society as they worked for the Romans, their colonizer, to collect taxes from their fellow Jews. And often they collect more than they should and profit from it. You know, speaking about taxes, uh, if you have been following the news, uh, recently our government collected more taxes than they should. Oops. But the difference is that our government pledged to refund the over-collection, but the tax collectors in Jesus' time simply pockets it. And Levi is deemed as a traitor, a scam by his countrymen. Or Levi, better known as Matthew, the gospel writer, he was sitting at the tax booth uh, when Jesus walked past and said to him, slide up, follow me, follow me. It is a call to Levi to give up his sinful life to follow Jesus. And this must be a huge sacrifice for Levi. Why? Because as tax collectors were normally wealthy, and amongst all 12 of Jesus' apostles, Levi is perhaps the richest. And like Simon Peter, Levi obeyed. He left everything, rose, and followed Jesus. Levi also recognized his friend's need for Jesus. So he made Jesus a great feast, invited all his tax collector friends and others to come over for this feast to hear Jesus so that they can all be unemployed together. 
No, uh, rather Jesus moved fast to gather in the, 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 the men for Jesus. He was feasting them into God's kingdom so that they too can give up their sinful life to follow Jesus. And so God goes all out to bring in sinners, to forgive sinners. And we see one person in this illustration which I will share with you. Uh, for those of you who have been to uh, Cambodia, Phnom Penh, perhaps you know, uh, you, are, you know where this place is. It's Tu Slang Genocide Museum, or also known as S21. It's a gut-wrenching place. So a few weeks ago, my daughter was there um, with the Synod Youth Formation, and she, she told me that she felt nausea and sick when she was at this place. Why? Because during the, the Khmer Rouge regime, Tuslang was a site where thousands were held for interrogation, torture, and execution. A rough estimate states that 16,000 people, including women, children, and babies, died here. Tuslang is not just a site where genocide happened, a crime against their own people, but it was a crime against humanity, killing our own kind. The question is, would God forgive such horrendous crimes? Well, next picture. You see this frail-looking man here is Kang Kek Lei, or known as Comrade Doig. He's one of the most despised men in Cambodia because he's the head of the, of the Khmer Rouge internal security branch and he's the director, the one who was responsible for Tu Slang. He's also known as a chief torturer. What is unbelievable is not that it, it took more than 28 years after the regime collapsed before this man was brought to justice. What is inconceivable is that Comrade Duke converted to Christianity. He received the forgiveness of Christ. And when he was brought to Tuslang, he cried. It was reported that he cried and asked for forgiveness. While the chief culprit, the leader of the Khmer Rouge, regime, Pol Pot, didn't ask for forgiveness. He recognised, whereas Comrade Duke recognised his need for Jesus' forgiveness. Brothers and sisters in Christ, friends, do we recognise our need for Jesus? The genocide of the Khmer Rouge is, will be judged as a crime against humanity, a crime against ourselves. And our crime against humanity can be displayed in words and actions. And our crime may not be as the same magnitude of what happened in Cambodia. Yet, the essence is the same. We may abuse our spouse with our words and coldness. We may embitter our children by making unreasonable demands. We may sacrifice our child on the altar of academic achievement 
or the author of our work achievement when we neglect them. We are perpetrators of injustice against our domestic helpers. We assassinate the characters of our bosses with our gossips. We pile misery on our co-workers by being uncooperative. Our crime against God is seen when we hurt His image bearers. And our crime is rebellion against our Creator. Our attempt to rule our lives result in selfishness and pride. And so we too need Jesus' forgiveness to turn from our sinful ways and to follow Him. So we see that the despised were changed by Jesus because He calls them to repentance and welcome them into His kingdom. Next, we see that although Simon saw Jesus' divinity and left everything to follow Him, the leper obeyed Jesus and went to make an offering to God. The crowd were amazed and glorified God for the healing of the paralyzed man. Levi left his life of sin behind to follow Jesus. Yet there was one group of people who remained unimpressed, unmoved, unchanged by Jesus. The Pharisees and the scribes saw Jesus' miracles. They heard his teaching, yet they gave no glory to God. In fact, they even dare question Jesus' authority. Their self-righteousness blinded them from seeing their own sins and their need for repentance and for Jesus. They only saw the sins of others, especially Levi and his group of tax collector friends. They were salty against Jesus for hanging out with sinners because how can a righteous person ever associate themselves with the unrighteous? And so they had no guts to confront Jesus, but they grumbled at his disciples, saying, why do, you, why do Jesus eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? But Jesus eats with sinners as he is a fisher of men, coming to call them to repentance. He is a doctor on the move, looking out for the sick. And so in verse 31 and 32, slide, we see Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. No, there are some folks who uh, simply refuse to see a doctor even when they are sick. No, they are, perhaps they are unaware of uh, the seriousness of their illness. No, some illness such as hypertension, uh, which I have, uh, it's known as the silent killer, right? Yeah, you can have no symptom, but it might kill you. And then... Uh, over these past two to three years, uh, I have two friends uh, who were unaware of their un underlying issues and both died while exercising. Uh, one went for a run and collapsed and died, and the other one was playing uh, basketball with a group of friends and he collapsed and died too in Malaysia. And so sometimes when we are unaware of our, the seriousness of our illness, we do not seek medical treatment. We do not go and see a doctor and sometimes we even refuse to take medicine. And while others, they, they, some uh, older folks, they, they think that they have the remedy for their illness, right? Uh, they listen to their friends, uh, sorts of old wives', old wives tears. And sometimes they even, uh, when, if they were to see a doctor, they even question the doctor's authority and they assume they know better. And so they turn up at the clinic or at the hospital but refuse to listen to the doctor 
doctor's advice and instead they try to give the doctor advice. Now, telling the doctor what to do, you know, uh, despite the doctor having to go through like more than seven years of uh, medical school, uh, but they, you know, um, yeah, so uh, things like that do happen. And sometimes, you know, they, they might even last minute cancel on the doctor or physio uh, appointment not turn up because they think that it's, uh, it's not too important. And then they will say, ah, ayala, this doctor is no good. See, doctor also no use. It's no use because uh, they don't take the doctor's advice. Uh, you, may, you may laugh, but, uh, but please don't be that person, okay? Uh, because sometimes we think that we are well and righteous, especially when we compare ourselves with others, with the tax collectors and other sinners. And when we look at others and we say, I'm not a criminal, hey, that guy uh, uh, in our midst have been to prison, no? uh, they are worse criminal, they are worse sinner, they are, I, I'm not like him, thank God. No, but there are worse sinners in public, right? But we may be worse sinners in private. Or sometimes we think that, hey, you know, I, I'm not such a bad person. I, I'm, a, I'm a pastor and I've got, I got a degree, I'm a professional. I've never, I've gave to charity, gave to, donated to uh, Tengah, so I, I should be quite right with God, you know. Well, your religiosity might blind you too, you know. Sometimes we think that, you know, I, I'm a religious person, so God would, should love me uh, a fair bit. Uh. Now, I, I attend church once a week or maybe twice a week, you know. Not just Sunday service, but I come for basic. Now, I attend DG. Uh, uh, you, you snoop around Jesus on Sundays. Uh, some seated, some of us seated here today, week after week, are like the Pharisees. We are within year short of God's words and teaching. Yet we remain unimpressed, unmoved, unchanged by Jesus and his words. And what I'm going to say next uh, won't make me very popular here, uh, but I will say it anyway. At service, some are on our phones, surfing the internet, doing online shopping, Gaming and asleep. I say this because I stand behind most of the time and I see what's happening on your phone. And not just that, God's words have no impact on our daily lives whatsoever. In fact, we even have the audacity to question Jesus' authority over our lives. That we call the shot over our lives. We make decisions so we ignore his call to be holy and we continue to do porn. We are indifferent to his call not to be yoked together with unbelievers and so we date and marry whoever we want. There is no change, no repentance, no giving up of our sinful life. There is no hope for the sinners, for sinners who do not see their need for Jesus and remain unchanged by his words. So in contrast, following Jesus means to give your heart to him, to be all in, like Simon Peter and Levi, to allow Jesus and his words to have authority over you, to be moved and changed by him. Although the first illustrations talk, talk about a lady who has been changed outwardly, and was very, you know, seems to be very, you know, such an impressive change. But I have an uncle who's an alcoholic 
for most of his life. He's a wife beater. Why? Because during school holidays where I, I went, go over to his house to sleep over with my cousin, uh, he would come back drunk and he would beat his wife and beat my cousin as well. Uh, and he, half the time he's too drunk to work and so the family was poor most of the time. And he's also a mocker of Christ because when my parents became Christians, he, he would mock my parents. And to me, he falls under the impossible-to-be-saved-by-God category. And lo and behold, someone shared the gospel with him. And never in my wildest imagination uh, that he would become a Christian. And so in, in his uh, old age, uh, in his ill health, out of the sudden, God changed him. And he became Bible-hungry. He wanted to go church. He wanted to be wheeled on his wheelchair to church. You know, like many of our Mandarin uh, ministry folks, yeah? you see them coming faithfully week after week. And he's no longer the wife beater. He stopped drinking, and all of a sudden, he, become, he became a loving husband. My jaw dropped when I, I didn't see him for uh, quite many years until he, he was sick, and I went to visit him at home. And I couldn't recognize him anymore. Not just, not just that he lost weight, but he was a changed person because he gave his life to Jesus. So brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray that you will not remain unchanged and indifferent to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's look to him in prayer. Father, we come before you to acknowledge that many times our hearts are made of stone. We are stubborn. We think that we are alright, alright with you, uh, just because we do religious things. But if we dig deeper into our own lives, we will know that we are not all right with you. Our sins may be hidden from the public, but it's seen clearly by you. Yet, Father, we thank you, Lord, for the grace that you've given to us by sending Jesus, who came to give his life to us and demand that we give our lives to him so that we can be free to live our lives for you. So, Father, we thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. I pray, Lord, that may, you, may your words and our Lord Jesus and your Spirit change us so that we can live a life which brings you glory. For you pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.